We're beginning a new sermon series today. We've all heard that old proverb, as the family goes, so goes the nation. Neither the Republican nor the Democrats invented family values. But they continue playing tug-of-war with them. Articles about family values, real family values, or views vary on family values. For many years, our nation has been in a values vacuum. We have been in a permissive society where out of the 60s, anything goes. And we have been reaping the results. Every 30 seconds, there's a divorce in America. Every fourth child born in America is born to an unwed mother. AIDS is an epidemic in our world. Everybody says we need to get back to family values, but nobody is doing well defining them. William Bennett recently said in a speech, it is now politically correct to believe in family values, but it is not politically correct to get specific about them. Why? Because all of a sudden you start dividing people up. Newsweek asks whose values Whose family values? Because there's a lot of different kinds of families. When you look on television, whose family values are you going to follow? The Simpsons, Cosby's, the Waltons? People will often say, we've got to get back to traditional family values. Then you have to go back a whole lot further than Ozzie and Harriet. Thousands of years ago, God gave Ten values for family living. And these are known as God's Big Ten family values. They're also called the Ten Commandments. And these are not values that are mere fads to be used during a political campaign and then forgotten. These are values that are the bedrock of our Western civilization. They are the foundation on which our entire judicial and law system have been built. The Ten Commandments are about the only thing that the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians all agree on. All three religions accept the Ten Commandments as commandments from God. We will talk about strong families now for the next ten weeks. Please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you today. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7. Never forget these commands. What I'm giving you, teach these to your children. God's saying two things here. In your notes, number one, he's saying, remember. Remember the Ten Commandments. And secondly, number two, teach them. Do your kids know the Ten Commandments? How many of you would say that you try to live by the Ten Commandments? Raise your hand if you do. Trying. Yeah, I think... If not all of you, most of you. But if I would ask you to come forward and name all ten in order, you might be a little reluctant. Why did God give the Ten Commandments? In your notes, God gave the Ten Commandments in your notes to help us and not to hurt us. The Ten Commandments are not to hamper us, but to release us. They're not to punish us, but to protect us. When I tell a child, don't touch the hot stove, am I doing that for their good or is it 
just for my own good. I'm doing it for their good. And every time God says, don't touch, every don't in the Bible is always for a positive purpose, always. The negatives that God gives us are always for our benefit. If you ignore them, they're to your hurt. Now, God has lined up the entire universe by universal laws. There are certain physical laws that the universe operates by, like, for example, the law of gravity. And if you ignore the law of gravity, you only hurt yourself. You have to cooperate with it. If you jump out of a 10-story window and you ignore the law of gravity, you will not break God's laws. But God's laws break you. And likewise, there are spiritual laws. And God gave them to us as tracks. Tracks by which we are to run on. And they're not just the ten suggestions. They're called the ten commandments. And they're not optional. God says you do these things and things will go fine in your life. If you do not do them, you're going to really mess up. Psychiatrists once were saying in the 60s that there's no boundaries. You do whatever you want to. They're now saying we need boundaries. We need boundaries for our emotional and mental health. We need parameters for people and for our children who grow up. And without boundaries, they grow up being extremely insecure. The baby boomers are an extremely insecure generation. We need to know what is right and what is wrong. We need parameters in life. Now, the order of the Ten Commandments is not haphazard. The order is not there by accident. God intentionally put the first one first because it was the most important one. And this is the foundation for being a strong family. Look at Exodus 20, verse 2. You shall have no other gods before me. What's that principle? In your notes, write this down. This passage says to put God first. God says that he demands top priority in your life. He's not going to play second fiddle to anything. And Luther says it this way, you're to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. See, God deserves to be number one in your life because God made you. If God did not make you, you would not even be here. Everything you have in life is from God because God has given it to you. And the principle then is to put God first. Now, what is a God? In your notes, a God is anything that controls your life. A God is anything that controls or dominates your life. So can a career be a God? You bet. Can another person be a God? Yes. Can golf be a God? Even good things that God has created for us to enjoy can become a God when you give them first place in your life. So this is the foundation principle. Put God first. See, if you are building and your foundation to your building is wrong, it does not matter how pretty the structure is, it's going to fall apart. The foundation is actually the most important part. Today in America, families are dropping like flies. Families are falling apart faster than we can put them together. Why are so many marriages crumbling? Because they're built on the wrong foundation. It does not matter how much money you make or 
how many things you can buy. Your marriage is not going to last unless it is built on the right foundation. And the foundation principle is to put God first. And every time that God gives a principle in the Bible, God also gives, in your notes, God gives a promise. For each principle, there is a promise from God. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 6. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. That's a pretty great promise from God. Do you want to be successful? Put God first. Wherever you want God to bless, you put God first in that area of your life. See, the divorce rate in America is one out of every two marriages and higher for second marriages. But Harvard University did a study. They found marriages where the wedding is in a church service. The divorce rate is one out of every 50 marriages. But also in marriages, they go to church every week together and read the Bible and pray together. The divorce rate is one out of every 1,105 marriages. Would you say there's a reason that God gives this foundation principle? Put God first? Sure. But how do you put God first? What does it mean to put God first? I took the acrostic first, F-I-R-S-T. And I'm going to give you five areas to put God first in your life and in your family. So number one in your notes, the F in the word first means to put God first in your finances. Let's start with the most difficult one. When God talks about finances, he says, give me the first part back and I will bless all the rest. Look at Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10. Please read it with me together out loud. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns. For God, the number one test of your priorities is your money. We spend most of our lives trying to earn it. Your checkbook reveals what is really important to you. It's not what you say is important, but it's how you spend your money. If I were to ask all of you to get out your checkbook right now, pass it to the person to the right of you, and let them examine it, what would it reveal about the priorities in your life? See, by simply looking at how you spend your money, a person who may not even know you could be able to tell a lot about your life. In fact, that's why sometimes we don't want them to see it. The way you spend your money says what's first in your life. Look at Deuteronomy 14, verse 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to what? To put God first in your lives. God wants you to give him the first percentage back. To simply teach you. To teach you to put God first in your notes. If God is not first in your finances, then God's not first in your life. In fact, if you are in a financial mess right now, then step number one ought to be put God first. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. On the first day of every week, you should put aside something from what you have earned and use it for the offering. The first day of the week is Sunday, or the day that you worship God. And we're to put God first and give our offerings in worship. See, in your notes, tithing is always an act of worship. That's the day you worship, giving to other charities. That's not biblical tithing. And you ought to give to other needs. But your biblical tithing is always an act of your worship, and you give it when you worship. 
F in the word first is your finances. Number two on the back of your notes, the I in the word first means you put God first in your interest. If God is going to be number one, then you put God first in your interest. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Please read it with me together out loud. Whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. That means in your fun times, in your play times, in your amusements, in your recreation, your hobbies and pastimes, you do it for the glory of God. See, in your notes, you do it with an attitude of gratitude. If you play golf or you play tennis, An attitude of gratitude says, Lord, thank you. Thank you for arms to play tennis, feet to walk the course. You put God first. You enjoy the gifts and the abilities that God has given you with a grateful heart. You can tell what a person really priorities are in your notes by what excites them. A person's priorities are seen by what excites them. So what gets you excited? That is what's important to you. If you go to those Indian games and get excited about baseball, they call you a fan. If you really get excited excited about the Lord, they call you a fanatic. What do you talk about the most? Look at Ephesians 5, verse 19. Talk with each other much about the Lord, Paul says. If God is first in your life, you are going to make God a part of your conversation. You will not be ashamed because he is first. So put God first in your finances. Put God first in your interests. Number three, in your notes. The R in the word first stands for relationships. When you put God first in your life, you're going to have to choose your friendships carefully. Look at Proverbs 27, verse 19. Please read it with me together out loud. What a man is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. What does who my friends are have to do with putting God first in my life? See, in your notes, because because the people you spend time with, you become like. You become like your friends. If you spend time with people who take God lightly, you will tend to become a casual believer. If you spend time with people who are committed and take God and his words seriously, you will become a stronger and more committed Christian. Your relationships will help. You put God first. If the people you invite into your home have strong family values and your kids see them, they will become models for your children. If you don't, then they will get models from your TV and from movies. Look at Proverbs 12, verse 26. A righteous man is careful about his friendships. The truth is that if you really want God first in your life, there are some relationships that are dead wrong for you and for your children. A person who does not share your values will woo your teenagers into a lifestyle where drugs or alcohol or sleeping around are acceptable. Because in your notes, it's always easier. It's always easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody else up. Put God first in your finances. Put God first in your interests. Put God first in your relationships. And number four in your notes. The S in the word first stands for schedule. Put God first on your schedule with your time. 
Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 16 and 17. Please read it with me together out loud. Make the best use of your time. Grasp firmly what you know to be the will of the Lord. How do you put God first on your schedule? You ask God to help you use your time wisely. You make your to-do list of things you have to do and say, God, which of these things do you want me to do? Selection is the name of the game. And you only have time enough to do what God wants you to do. In your notes, if you're really, really too busy, then you're doing things not in God's will for you. If you find yourself doing more things than you have time to do, some of those things simply are not in God's will. Well, they may be good things, but they're not God's will for you and for your life. So in your notes, see, God never puts more on you than God puts in you. When you start feeling frustrated and hassled, it's because you're trying to put too much into your schedule. That's not in God's will for you. So in your notes, you schedule a daily appointment with God. If God is going to be first in your family and in your life, you need a daily appointment. This is a time when you set aside for reading God's word and then praying and talking with God. This is a time you reveal your priorities and your schedule. Just look at Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, Jesus, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Without an appointment with God, you can get so busy that you forget about God. Put God first in your finances. Put God first in your interests. Put God first in your relationships. Put God first on your schedule. The number five in your notes. The T in the word first stands for troubles. When you face unexpected problems and pressures, when you have a crisis, who do you turn to? Many people will turn to God only as the last resort. But look at Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. So don't try to carry your troubles by yourself. In your notes, a test. A test when God is not first in your life, you worry. Yeah, worry is the first sign that you're not putting God first. And you're trying to carry the load alone. It is too much for you. And you worry and worry. So in your notes, the antidote to all worry, put God first. Yes, put God first. The foundation principle for strong families, in your notes. Build on the foundation where God is F-I-R-S-T. First in your finances, first in your interests, first in your relationships, first in your schedule, first in time of trouble. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.